You have now arrived at Stadium Engale. Boys and girls, ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of Stadium Miguel. It's Uncle Silk. It's your boy, number 35, the All-American. And then Captain Dan. Captain Dan in the in the Danettes. How's it, how's it been cooking on the boat, man? What's the vibe been like? Not bad. Took it out three or four times this past week. Um, three or four times. Yeah. And that's what's nice about it is I can, I can just drive up and take it out for an hour, maybe an extended lunch break, something like that um took it out saturday um have some plans to go out tomorrow i've uh, got a friend in town uh, from nashville uh, so he'll be in town so we're gonna go out there uh have some memorial day plans and then silky i think you and i are cooking up something for maybe next weekend so yeah i'm trying to get out there man i can't do the three four times but i need i need these ocean vibes down here in south florida man so we gotta we gotta get out there on the water man hang out yeah, let's make it happen so well, how was your, uh, yeah how was y'all weekend my what you did over the weekend Oh man, I just pretty much hung out, man, at the house. Uh, just really, just just chill, man. I didn't, you know, spend time with the family, man. We just, you know, been taking this quarantine thing kind of serious, you know, with our newborn. So, uh, right. just, just sat home and you know watched a little bit of TV, man, and caught up on on some shows and whatnot, and uh, and, and finally uh, watched the ending of the Jordan documentary, the Bulls documentary. Mm. I still haven't caught the end of it. The uh, the the last the last few episodes that I watched, I think episodes. About seven and eight, uh, they were good. And then I saw Twitter was a buzz last night, so I need to uh, I need to catch it. I've been watching this new show, uh, White Lines, uh, on Netflix, which has been um, has been really really good. Uh, so definitely recommend that to, to everybody. I that last night, what you think? I'm only I'm only one episode in. Okay, I was a little drowsy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Night, so, but I, I wonder get, why. Kush <laughs> <laughs> yeah. was definitely big, but. Um, I've been hearing good things about it. That's why I started it last night, but I wasn't prepared to, to to really get into it. But I'm getting right back at on it as soon as we uh get off of this this episode, Paul. Yeah, it's uh, it's called White Lines. It's on Netflix. It, it, I'll tell you, it is completely different. I'm four four episodes in. It's very different than I thought. There's a lot of good twists and turns. It's um, it takes place in uh in Ibiza and a uh. A, a girl is over there. I guess a lady is over there. Her brother got murdered 22 years ago, I think. And so she's there to try to help solve uh, what happened to him and, and his disappearance. Uh, but it's a fascinating tale so far. A lot of twists and turns. Um, it definitely keeps you on your toes. So uh, so white lines. Uh, what else? Oh, I need to tell you about this. I was I, I work from home now and I was I just wanted some like background noise. So I was on Hulu today. Do you know that there's an entire documentary about the song Who Let the Dogs Out and the origins of that song? Yes, Bahamian Brazen. Yeah, they. Yeah. I mean, they. There's like nine different versions of the song. People suing each other left and right over it, only to find out that like a high school in like the 1990s had been chanting it, a high school in like the 80s had been chanting it. Um, <laughs> but if you ever have an hour of your time where you literally want to do nothing else, I recommend the uh, Who Let the Dogs Out documentary on Hulu. Yeah, I'm gonna really need a, a real spare hour to watch that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if you truly have nothing to do, I mean, if you right. are 100% quarantined and you have no desire to go outside um, and everything else has been watched, then I would watch that. Okay. <laughs> I can't wait to not watch it. 
I left you guys speechless, huh? I sold it. I sold it that well. I'm gonna take it out, Dan. If I, if I get some free time, I'm definitely gonna. Go <laughs> I can use some feedback, Dan. If it's some bullshit, right, right. I'm gonna let you know. All right, I appreciate that. Uh, why don't we get this? Uh, why don't we get this episode started, boys? Uh, as always, want to give a shout out to our friend over at the Thomas Firm, uh, who sponsors this podcast. The Thomas Firm is going to handle all of your insurance claims uh, for property damage for your home or for your business. Uh, their lawyers have over twenty years of experience handling roof damage from leaks and storms. We had a hell of a storm roll through uh, Tampa for about an hour this morning. Uh, that was wild. I know you heard it this morning when you were recording your Patreon show, uh, There's Silk, but that was a wild storm we had this morning. So maybe you got uh, a little bit of damage there. Water damage, hail damage, uh, hurricane damage. Uh, it's already uh, hurricane season's a couple, you know, couple weeks away already. It had a name stormed out there. So uh, sinkholes, fires. They work all over the state of Florida, so no claiming is going to be too big or too small for them. Uh, so if you suspect you have any damage to your home, give them a call to Thomas Firm, uh, free consultation to ensure, um, you know, help ensure that your insurance company is going to pay uh, what you're owed for the other uh, repair of your home. Uh, they're still also doing the COVID-19 business help, so reach out to them. Uh, their office is in Tampa, but like I said, they do do work all over the state of Florida. Give them a call, 813-221-2525. Again, that's the Thomas Firm, 813-221-2525. The Thomas Firm. Shout out to Thomas Firm. Hey, Thomas Firm. I got a chance to, but like speaking of last weekend before we move forward, I got a chance to uh, check out uh, Kyrie and CJ work, work out this past weekend or whatever, man. So that was that was pretty dope. To see those guys in action. Um, CJ's going off to the Jacks. Now, I think he went up to Jacksonville the, the, the last day or so to start getting things situated up that way, man. But, yeah, man, shout out to Kaye. He's going to be special. I'm just ready for some football, man. Let's get into some Gator news, Dan. What we got? They, they uh, so free us up yet? What we got? Not yet. Uh, let's talk uh, Let's talk Gator news, and then we've got some other news that's going to kind of expand out for, from that. I think the biggest news that we had this week was that Stuart Reese, uh, offensive guard from Mississippi State who played for a couple years under John Hevesy and uh, Dan Mullen, uh, has decided to transfer to the University of Florida, um, officially announcing it through the transfer portal and everything else. We had talked about it a couple weeks ago uh, that that was in the works, and it is finalized, and Stuart Reese will be on campus. A uh, good get for an offensive line uh, that that desperately uh, you know needs to play better. What's your um, what's your offensive line right now? Do you have that prepared at all? I don't have that prepared, but if you ask me in thirty seconds after you give your analysis, I can I can give it to you. I'm just trying to think if I want reset guard or tie. He played both at Mississippi State, man. But either way, you gotta squeeze him into a starting spot, right? Yeah, um, you have I think to. I think Stone starts at tackle. Right. I agree. Um right. hopefully Garage is ready. I would love to see Garage at a tackle, right? Um Stone or 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 my man Reese can figure out that that right tackle spot. But I would like to see Garage like get developed and be able to play that left tackle spot. Uh, get Ethan in at another guard. Heggie at center. Yeah. So I think you and I are in the same boat for most of it. Uh, I like the way that Garage played sparingly last year. Uh, I mean, that's a that's a tough position to play in that left tackle spot. Uh, I think he'll be ready. I think what what they're going to do though. I mean, ideally, I think Reese is probably better suited uh, at guard, even though he did play both. But he might have to play tackle to start, uh, and then could potentially move uh, could potentially move in. Right. But I'm trying. I'm trying to think. I mean, Heggie is definitely your starting center, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have 
Ethan White, who's going to probably push for time. You have Garage. Uh, I, think, I think that's our starting five. I think the first yeah. off the bench gets a little interesting with uh, that Ugaquan kid, however you say mm-hmm. his last name, Tarquin, then you have yeah. Braun. Um, yeah. First off the bench, out of those three, that's still tough. Even with Braun being a year behind those guys, yeah. he just came in so ready to play right away. So I think we, we, we're in a good situation line-wise. I yeah. think a lot of chemistry and stuff like that got to play out. But I think that you can – Kind of mix and mingle those five, but I think that's how I start. That's how five. Yeah. And then you have, you know, Gene Delance, who, you mm-hmm. know, who who had meaningful time this year. Uh, not saying that he's necessarily. Yeah, I, I was just I was just gonna skip his whole name, but <laughs> uh, yeah, T.J. Moore as well. T.J. Moore is a, another guy that can that can right. possibly uh, be first off the bench as well, and also in that rotation. I think we got a, a good room of competition. I think we've got maybe ten guys. You know, with with Braun being number ten, uh, not that he's the tenth best of those. He just has zero playing experience. It, it's young in terms of experience. They they have uh, some gaps in experience, so it definitely could be um, a an interesting an interesting year, especially without uh, much of an off season. I do like. You know, garage to get better. I think Forsyth can get a little, you know, obviously more experienced here. I'm very, very curious to see what Ethan White can do. But what I think that uh, Reese brings the most is, you know, hopefully some some continuity of understanding the way that the offense is, is going to be running and everything else. But leadership as well. I mean, he has a ton of experience, a, a, a ton of, you know, snaps under under his belt. And the last two seasons haven't, haven't been too much because of some – well, I guess last season, uh, you know, he battled some injuries as well. But uh, he's going to be a guy that that understands the system and I think can really help, you know, watch some of these these other guys blossom. Yeah, I would love to see Garage be ready to play that tackle spot at this point too. I would like to see, you know what I'm saying, some development going on and him being ready to – because his athleticism, he's probably got the highest ceiling in that room, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I would like to see him be, like, ready to take that next leap. Uh, that's why spring – like, there's some advantages to us of missing spring, but I want to see even Simmons. I want to see some of those young linemen get some work and, and start moving some guys around and separating themselves on the depth chart. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess right now, maybe Garage, Reese, Peggy, White, Foresight, something like that is kind of what I just wrote down. Got you. Ooh, yeah, that was a great addition, though. Um, yeah. Well, Reese, we all been speculating that for a little while now. Uh, last year, we was kind of hoping that, that, that this could have happened. Um, I don't think it's a better year. I think this year is the, the best year for him to come in. And and definitely, I don't know if he would have made a big difference on last year's offensive line. But I think this year um, he could come in and add some some much-needed uh, depth. Uh, and, and somebody I, that, that, that you don't have to teach a right. whole lot. And you see, he seems to be a, a mauler. He seems to, you know, be a, an aggressive, you know, guy. Uh, you know, bring some um, – some I don't know. Let's not say swag because that's like a DB wide receiver. Where he brings some like bulliness to the offensive line, which is which is something that that I know that uh, we've talked about last season a lot. It just didn't seem to have that that brawler type mentality. So a guy like him can bring that. Hopefully, pass that on to some of these other guys as well. Right. So and then I guess for, from there uh, we had a bunch of guys uh, take virtual visits. Uh, we had. 
Uh, some some bigger names, uh, you know, some some guys that, that Florida is, you know, definitely in the mix for. Charles Montgomery, four-star, uh, is making his decision here pretty soon. Uh, he did a, uh, a virtual visit uh, with Florida yesterday. Uh, he's deciding between Maryland. His, his primary recruiter, of all people, is actually Joker Phillips right now. Uh, so he's being recruited by Maryland and Florida. Florida sits in a pretty good spot for him. He's an athlete. I think he's ranked as the number 15 uh, or so athlete, uh, top 247 guy as well. Uh, so Montgomery uh, took an official visit. And then Xavier Sori uh, is going to take or did take an official visit uh, on Friday as well. Let's see who else we have here. Uh, Terry and Arnold, uh, he told Andrew Spivey over at Gator Country that he gave his virtual visit uh, 10 out of 10. And then Trevion Cooley uh, had his visit uh, as well. A couple of uh, 2022 QBs also took uh, virtual visits. Uh, Nico Marcoyle from uh, from Arizona and then Jacuri Brown uh, who I think was offered pretty recently a uh, 6 foot 4 guy out of uh, Lowndes uh, high school there in uh, in Valdosta. So uh, Silk Ahmad, do you know much about the virtual visits and and what what's going on and what they're doing with those? I don't know a whole lot about them. That'd been uh, a good question from my man Kevin Camps um before the show but I'm pretty sure they just um <laughs> Pretty much doing a virtual tour of the of the school, yeah, I, so I guess it would just be yeah. video like of a, like an unofficial visit. I guess they're going into like the, uh, the study halls and all the different places that they do on unofficial visits, kind of doing the same thing but on the virtual. Yeah, um, that's. I mean, that's all I can really gather from that, man. I don't yeah. know how, how much you can kind of really see virtually. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know. Uh, but on, on another note, I mean, with all these virtual visits and all this stuff that like we're saying that there's not a lot to do, but somebody's doing something because other people are getting commits. Right. So yeah. maybe these virtual virtual visits are some other schools are doing. I don't know what everybody's who's up to speed on what, but other teams are getting commits and they are working. So um, we'll see if we get some results from this, because it may look like there's not a lot going on, but there is a lot going on right now. Because, yeah. Like I said, kids are setting up. Uh, commit dates, kids are committing. So things are going down. We'll see how much it works for us in the future. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see. I, I'm curious to see what Florida, and I'll talk to Kevin Camps and we maybe talk uh, a little bit more. We can talk to some of the uh, the guys on the, the player personnel staff, to, to or recruiting staff, pardon me, to see what, what's going on uh, and what they're doing. I, I know that there's been a lot of talk about building, you know, some real personalized visits. And, and what's nice about it, you know, especially for these kids, you know, if you're a kid that, you know, is otherwise not able to maybe financially make it to Florida for an unofficial visit, maybe you're out of state, you know, there's a kid, you know, that's visiting 2022 from Arizona, you know, definitely tough to get make it to Gainesville from Arizona. You know, this is an opportunity for a lot of kids that, that may have otherwise not been able to make it. And maybe you're you're fighting for that fifth uh, spot or seventh spot, however many official visits they're going to offer uh, this season, you know, to really try to get somebody that may not have otherwise looked at your school for financial reasons now to be able to do so. So you can start to reach out to some of those, you know, kids that, that maybe we're far away or maybe didn't have the same means as some other, uh, you know, kids to be able to get to your campus and try to make an impact. So, you know, this could be big for, you know, schools like Florida and other schools to, to get kids and, and tap into some other, uh, tap into some other veins of, of, of talent. Right. And another thing too, on, on the Charles Montgomery kid that, uh, from Armwood that you have decided next week between us and uh, Maryland. I, I like his film. Um, he's a sly guy. Uh, maybe an all-purpose backish type of guy that may that may go in our offense, but I like his film. I think he's explosive. Uh, he had a four eight one forty 
um, at an opening, I think a Nike opening camp that that that's a little creepy for some people, but I mean, I think he just had a, a, a bad running day or something because his track yeah. times don't reflect that. Neither does his film. So, um, yeah, I think him, Leary, uh, that Brashad kid that decommitted, like all just like slot all purpose back type guys that we can get in this class, man. Um, I don't know where we stand with Leary. Leary's gonna decide here yep. soon as well. Um, but Montgomery is one I think we and I'm not gonna sleep on on um I may lock it until to until this kid's in the bag. We won't sleep on any recruiters. You know what I'm saying? So like it, it it's gonna be until it's time to decide right now, but I think it's us. I like it. I like it. Let's see what else. Uh, in terms of some bigger news as we expand out of uh, of the University uh, of Florida, uh, SEC presidents are going to be voting next week on May 22nd on whether to bring players back to campus on June 1st or June 15th. Uh, that's according to LSU's uh, Executive De- Deputy Director of Athletics. So, uh, so the SEC uh, presidents are going to vote. The SEC has basically made a stance that, you know, as long as they can safely hold a college football season, they're going to do whatever they can to make sure that they have a college football season and that their goal is to just make sure that their their games get played and they have their SEC championship kind of regardless of, of anybody else. So uh, that is big news. I guess on top of that, other big news. Uh, the Florida's public university system is going to reopen this fall, uh, according to uh, some higher uh, ranking education leaders uh, here in in Florida. Uh, the University of Florida was originally scheduled to start, I believe, on August 24th. They pushed that back to August 31st, uh, but it does look like campuses are going to be uh, completely reopened. We'll see exactly what that looks like, uh, but that is definitely a positive sign for uh, for for universities and the potential chance of of college football. Yeah, I think that's a good sign. I think I think we still got to play it by. Uh, it's, it's still a lot to be determined, man. But I think that's a good sign. I'm excited, bro. Um, everybody wants to see football back. I don't think we're gonna see any fans in the stadium or any tailgates, but I'll take any ball in any way possible right now. But them opening schools, uh, they couldn't bring the players back without bringing the students back. So that this is a great sign. Absolutely, I like uh, I like the chances of football happening sometime in the uh, SEC calendar year, which I learned yesterday uh, is April to March. So sometime between now and March, I think that uh, college football is going to get uh, get played. Yeah, uh, and I think. College football getting played on absolutely means everybody as well. I think, I think we're gonna see a weird season this year, regardless of what like they open up and play. Right? I don't think we're gonna see a normal season. No, I don't yeah. think Florida's gonna play twelve football games this year. Right. I think I think Florida's gonna play at least eight. I think they're gonna play uh, in the SEC championship as well. Uh, but I could very well see it that this being a kind of an unsanctioned uh, NCAA year where you may not have a uh, a national championship. You may not have uh, some of your, your bowl season may be completely uh, limited. You know, we see it now. We don't know what's going to happen over the next two, three, four months about how, you know, this virus could c- potentially change. It could grow. It could shrink, uh, you know, over these next couple of weeks, couple of months. But, you know, I definitely don't foresee us going back to a normal college football season uh, by August or September. I think for for some states, it's just going to be a bit too much. Yeah, I agree. Uh, other news, Ron DeSantis announced uh, that Ben Hill Griffin Stadium could host professional sports. What do you guys think? 
Man, I'm all, I'm all for seeing Tom Brady and the Bucks in, in the swamp. I'm all for as long as they ain't bringing no germs in our shit. I just want to make sure we can play in the swamp. You feel me? Yeah, we ain't we ain't trying to compromise our season. Extra people in our locker room making it all germy. Yeah, I don't know if Ron DeSantis like talked to the university. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, I, <laughs> I I think that that could be could be fine. I mean, obviously you have some logistics issues. I I mean, but if I'm Florida, I'm worried about my program first and my team first, and you first, know, playing back to back games. You know, you have a college yeah, yeah. football game maybe on a on a Saturday, and then a NFL game on Sunday. That turf is going to be all messed up. I mean, there's just going to be a lot of problems. Um, you know, not problems necessarily, but things you're going to have to work through. Other news saying, yeah, it's a big stadium. They could. Do it. Yeah, but but still though, man, you know that that's extra wear and tear on the on the field, you know, right. season, bro. You know, um, it's more exposure to our players. Like, I want to make sure like our players are safe, and we can watch college football before we just have these pro guys come in stinking up the joint. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see if that's that's something, you know, that could be something, you know, that they start to consider with other sports, you know, states, you know, right now, Florida's, you know, infection rate and death rate is certainly, um, you know, quite low compared to, to other states in a Florida, you know, does stay ahead of that does, you know, that potentially mean that you could use a place like the O-Dome, you know, for for an NBA season or, you know, could you use, you um, you know, I guess you can't use the Mac, but, um, you know, the lacrosse team <laughs> or the, the soccer field, whatever it might be, uh, you know, to host some of these other sports as well. It brings out an interesting question uh, of what of what you uh, what you do there. Yeah, I think we are still playing it by sight and, and ear at this point. But, um, yeah, I think it's just too many. I don't know. I don't know if I would like like the pros. I, I just want college football to come back. How they figure out the pros, where they play at, and all that stuff. Because it's still got to be more stadiums, right? Like, you think the state of Florida could just facilitate pro and college football and what other, what, what, whatever else pro sports is going on? I think that's a lot. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's a lot on the strain of uh, the university uh, surrounding community as well, right? If you have an if you have a college football game on a Saturday and then you have an NFL game on Sunday, can you imagine what the hotels, yeah. restaurants, yeah. what yeah. imagine what thirty fourth and Archer is going to look like? Oh my god! <laughs> you think you could move during football season? Imagine adding a potential, you know couple thousand more cars and you know? dealing with fans that aren't even gator fans like yeah. not, not, not the locals gotta deal with detroit lion and you know what i'm saying Patriot <laughs> fans. i don't know all of that stuff is uh is still in the works but it, it would definitely be interesting to watch and now the denver broncos and the arizona cardinal square off in ben hill griffin stadium i don't know we definitely be watching it on tv regardless right absolutely, absolutely. there we go <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we got a big uh, we got a big show today. We got two uh, former national championship winning coaches uh, that are going to be joining us tonight. But first is going to be Tim Walton. Uh, Tim Walton's uh, interview is going to be brought to us by a new sponsor, uh, Roof Soldier. Roof Soldier. Uh, I got the chance to talk to uh, one of their investors last week and really get to know the company over the last week. But really, really incredible company. So Roof Soldier is based here in Tampa, Florida, but they do have offices up in St. Augustine. They do a lot up in the I four corridor. But Roof Soldier is a veteran owned company that specializes in all aspects of residential and commercial roof replacements and repairs. So whether it's your home, your business, uh, Roof Soldier is going to perform a free roof inspection for you. They're going to provide a free digital photo report of all the necessary information that you're going to need. 
And then, uh, and that includes shingle, tile, metal, flat roof, whatever it might be. Um, if during the inspection, evidence of windstorm or hail, hail damage, pardon me, is documented, Roof Soldier can provide you with that uh, information to help you uh, with your insurance claims with your insurance carrier. So maybe you can partner up with the other uh, Thomas firm uh, on that. So a little synergy there. So whether you have experienced any recent roof leaks uh, or damage, simply want to take advantage of having a free fruit roof inspection as we head into the summer months, or if your roof is older than I believe 15 years old, there, there is usually some issues with getting insurance. So uh, definitely check, uh, check that out. And you know, there does look to be a potentially very active hurricane season. So uh, give roof soldier a call today to schedule an inspection. You can give them a call at one eight seven seven roofs FL. So one eight seven seven roofs FL, or you can reach out at roofsoldier.com. And the first ten callers that do contact Roof Soldier for a free inspection and mention Stadium and Gale are going to receive two hundred dollars off their roof replacement once they enter into contract. So give them a call, check them out. Uh, they also give roofs and provide money to uh, to veterans uh, and active military too. So give Roof Soldier a call. And let's get Tim Walton on the line. Let's go. You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. And joining us for the first time on Stadium and Gale's two-time national coach, our uh, winning coach, pardon me, from the University of Florida softball team. It's Tim Walton. Tim, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Perfect. So, Tim, you played baseball uh, at the University of Oklahoma. You played a, a little bit in the in the minor leagues uh, after that. How'd you get into uh, to coaching softball? I know you went back to your alma mater, uh, but talk to us a little bit about kind of your story from from your playing days to uh, to ultimately ending up at Florida. Yeah, I'm, I'm originally from Southern California. Was recruited to play baseball at Oklahoma and took the opportunity uh, for scholarship. Went there, played, and we won a national championship my junior year. Played one more season, got drafted, and played a couple of years of pro ball and wound up going back to uh, Oral Roberts as my first coaching job. And um, from there, I was uh, given an opportunity to, to get into softball. And my wife played college basketball. She was a college basketball player at, at, um, at North Texas and Oral Roberts. And so at the time, um, she and I would go and shoot and do stuff every day after her practice. And so it was my first real opportunity to be around a student athlete like that. And so given the opportunity to coach softball, I, I took a chance. They took a chance on me. I took a chance that it was going to be something that I would, uh, you know, enjoy doing. And, and I've loved every second of it. I love it. So you, uh, you, you bounced over to a, to Wichita state, uh, and then you ended up at Florida. How did it, Jeremy Foley, uh, recruit you, convince you to come over and uh, talk to us a little bit about your first couple years at Florida? Yeah. So I, I was, I loved Wichita State. It was a it's, it's a great school. It's a small school, but great baseball, great basketball. Mark Turgeon, the coach of Maryland, was our coach of basketball, and we had a lot of really, really, really good coaches. And um, the thing I loved about Wichita State was that you know I was I was building my own program. We really hadn't had a whole lot of success. And over my three year time there, we started to win, and then we went to the you know went to postseason playing the NCAA tournament and. Jeremy had a job of it's kind of an interesting, you know, spot, you know, they, they, and, and again, I don't, I don't know the exact history, but looked to be renewed, hired a new assistant coach. And then <laughs> I want to say like uh, May th- Labor Day weekend, I see the posting. I'm like, wait a minute, what? Florida's <laughs> got a job. And um, you know, it's, it's funny. I, I had, um, I, I, I'd eyeballed a couple schools uh, across the country that I felt like 
you know, in my opinion, were, were underachieving programs that just hadn't quite gotten to that level yet. And, um, you know, given success the football program has had and given the success the basketball program's had and in baseball, for that matter, playing for a national championship in 05, I sent my stuff to Jeremy and I was, I was pretty bold in my sending. I just said, listen, you know, I, I, I think my, my, um, you know, my cover letter was, you know, I, I really understand the pressures of what Florida can be. And I think I'm the right person for it. And, you know, my, my one-on-one with Jeremy was awesome and he was legit. Um, and he, he said to me, you know, he, he, he talked to me about my time in Omaha, you know, pitching in the championship game at uh, the college world series in 94. And, we talked about Omaha. We talked about winning the world series. And as I get up to leave and, you know, next at the the room of talking to Jerry and Foley, you know, he, he made a comment and said, Hey, nice tie. I had picked out a orange and blue tie that I think matched school colors to a T. And, um, I got a call Tuesday morning that following and he offered me the job and I took it. So it was pretty cool for me. Man, that's awesome. And so, so Florida, like you said, was a little bit underachieving the softball program. I think the program had been around for about 10 or 11 years before you, before you joined, how did you gain such immediate success at, at, at Florida? Cause you started right around the time that I was there and, you know, I got to see Florida really kind of blossom during that time and ultimately, you know, end up my final two years at Florida in the, in the semifinals and then, you know, runner up in the, the women's college world series. How did you achieve success so quickly at Florida? Yeah, when you talk about underachieving, I think really when you look at it from the outside, obviously there's a lot of internal things that go on and make a program successful. But from the outside perspective, and and that's what I was, I was just looking at, you know, really what, you know, you're in the state of Florida. You've got the best weather. You've got the best um, opportunity to do a lot of things. And so when I came and visited and, you know, we, we it was clear to see we had, we had good enough facilities that a great campus and you know, you're close to both coasts, you know, you're close to the Gulf, you're close to the Atlantic. And, you know, we have to be, you know, better than where we were. And unfortunately, there's some things going on in the state in regards to the time. Softball didn't start really playing fast pitch in the state of Florida until about 1993. So we were relatively young in regards to playing softball in Florida. But I think the reason we were able to be successful is not only um, the players that we had in the program that I, I, I stayed um, you know, committed to, but we brought in some players. And you know, my 2000, uh, 2006 recruiting class was my first class. Uh, Francesca Nea was a three-time All-American. Uh, went out and grabbed her out of uh, Southern California from one of the most prestigious, um, you know, uh, most prestigious recruiting bases and re- uh, travel program in the country got her. And, um, you know, I think that really opened our door to some, some opportunity for some big time recruits. And like I said, we had some really good players that were already on our pro in our program. And, um, we had a really good state in Florida. And I just tried to dominate the state of Florida. I really tried to kick anybody else out that tried to come in and, um, you know, and, and we tried to get the best of the state of Florida and then go out and find some other players that we thought would be, um, you know, big time contributors. And we had a ton of success in, in seven and eight, but our 2008 recruiting class, my first full year here, um, I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but I, I, I'm guessing a number is going to be like seven or eight All-American trophies out of that class. And, you know, I think that, you know, when you look at that class, that class went 238 wins and 33 losses in their four-year career, uh, every one of their years being at the College World Series, eight, nine, 10, and 11. So I think that's where the foundation started. Hey, Coach, it's a, it's a mod. You know, it was so great to 
be in school and to see all the success you guys had. You know, you talk about these uh these these teams from like 07, 08, 09, um, 2010. That's around the time that, that we were here. And it was just awesome to see, you know, these, these girls come in and, you know, you, you did bring in a lot of talent from California. And those girls just came in and, you know, like, like it was nothing. And, you know, they came from, from California across the, the nation and, and, and came and put on for our Gators and, and played excellent. Um, talk about uh, a little bit uh, about your recruiting. I know you mentioned recruiting, Coach. Um, do you guys focus more on high school sports or is it more on travel ball? And I co- asked Coach O'Leary that as well. Uh, and I was asking you, as um, you know, as well, what, what, what do you m- more focus on? Yeah, I think that, you know, typically it's going to be out of the travel, you know, the travel markets because you can see so many more players in a short period of time. And when you're trying to recruit players that are playing spring sports and you're also in your spring sport, it's really hard to recruit at the same time. We play so many games. We play, we play 50 and, and one year we played 75 total games. So when you're playing that many games, it's really hard to put, a, you know, a, a two eyes on recruiting. So the, the travel market, the summer market really, you know, really allows us to, to go out and see a lot. But I will say this, that, you know, we, we've, I always scour the state. And in other words, we're looking at every single high school statistic, whether it be ERA, home runs, batting average, um, wins, state championships. We're looking at all the high school statistics. And so we've gone out and recruited high school stuff, but typically when we're going out and recruiting the high school stuff, it's more off of just what you read on the internet. Um, when we go out in the summer, it's, we, we go out with an agenda. We go out watching players and trying to find, you know, as many players as we can to continue to follow their path. And then from the travel, we'll go watch them play in their high school competitions. Got you. So I mentioned before, um, you know, for football, it's, it's your Florida, it's Texas, it's California. And those are the, the big states for, for football. Um, is that typically um, about the same as well in softball? Is where the most talent is as in those big states. Yeah, we've we've had um, yeah Florida, California. California's been playing softball a long time, and so I always um, you know you always give them a little bit of a nod. They've always had a lot of success, you know, and and the programs out west have the most national championships in the NCAA tournament. So I'd always given them the nod in regards to the number of you know talent because they've been playing a lot longer. But I would say California, Texas, Florida, and then. The sneaky state, and I saw the sneaky state come up in 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 basketball and 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 also in football and some other sports is Georgia. Yeah. Georgia per capita is putting out as many athletes yeah. as anybody yeah. in the entire country. And you know, I think you look at my roster and and you look at my roster from last season and you see the number of of, of Georgians we had in our roster, and it has a lot to do with the talent. And then I saw the same thing in football and basketball and other sports that they really have a lot of athletes in the state and they do, um, they treat their, you know, their, their high school football and their high school, other sports, you know, just like they do in, in some other States. It's, it's big time, you know, whether it's small town atmosphere or whatever, but they really take their sports seriously in Georgia. So coach, all right, they get recruited. They come to the university of Florida. Um, we know they train extremely hard. Um, that's, that's typically what D one colleges do with, with their sports. And, you know, especially at the university of Florida, but talk about what's a, a typical day in um, for a softball player at, um, at at the University of Florida. Yeah, you know I think Ahmad and you know obviously you know I've been here now for 15 seasons and you know I think that what we've really tried to do is we've we've tried to figure out the best training model that fits. So 
But. Not all my athletes do everything the exact same. We we have some athletes that are, you know, are aspiring to be all Americans. We have other athletes that are aspiring to be doctors. And so you have to put together, a, you know, a kind of a, a map, a roadmap for success for everybody just a little bit differently. But our team training, we, t- we, we train in the mornings at 6 a.m. Um, on Monday, typically on Monday, on Wednesday, and on Friday. On Tuesdays and Thursdays at the 7 a.m. model and the girls will go in and lift as a group and, you know, do their thing in the, in the weight room. And in the 6 a.m.s on, on Monday, Wednesday, Friday are typically in the football practice facility or out on the practice field, you know, running and, and, and doing things as a team. And then throughout the day, um, so fall model is a little different than spring model, but if you, we would have, you know, like a team practice around 2.15. Um, but what I, I, I was around Roland Thornquist, I actually was, uh, I walked up, we were, he and I were talking and he was talking about one of his athletes being a little, little banged up, a little injured. And he said, yeah, I think it's really going to hurt her because she's not going to be able to hit twice a day. And all of a sudden my radar went up and I said, wait, wait, wait what'd you just say? And he said, yeah, well, I have an a- athlete that's injured right now and she's not going to be able to hit twice a day. And I go, you mean your, your tennis players are hitting twice a day? What do you, what do you mean? He goes, yeah, we, we, we hit in the morning and then we hit in the afternoon. And I went, oh my gosh. And so we started to train that way as well, because you know, hitting tennis, hitting, repeating yeah. your shot yeah. and doing things over and over again. So we decided that we were going to, we were going to hit twice a day. So smaller periods of time, but we think that by, you know, by, by, by hitting twice a day, we're going to be able to increase, um, you know, bat speed. We're going to increase yeah. our yeah. strength, increase our hand-eye coordination. For and sure. one thing we started to do was we started to train differently in regards to the pitches. So, you know, on, on a Monday morning, it might be rise ball, curve ball, change. Monday afternoon might be drop ball, screw ball, and, you know, and, uh, and change usually is a, you know, common feature. So the girls will practice around 2.15, um, you know, and depending on the week, but we're, we're typically almost always done by 5.15. Um, and, uh, and then they go and then they'll, they'll obviously go back to uh, the Hawkins Center and usually a tutor session or, um, you know, something of that nature in regards to their class stuff. And, now, that's one thing we've, I've been fortunate. I've had a lot of really good student athletes. And um, so we really try to keep everything as, as organized as possible um, to give them the flexibility to do whatever they need to do academic. I, I've had kids ask me all the time, is there any major you can't major in at Florida? And I said, absolutely not. Florida's uh, one of the best uh, academic institutions in the entire you know, country, if not um, the best in the South, especially. And we want you to be able to major in whatever you want to major in. And we're going to make you and train you into being whatever you want to train yourself to be on the softball field. And uh, for that, we've been able to train academic All-Americans and All-Americans equally the same. Hey, Coach, you got to uh, make a run at championship ball uh, back-to-back years while basketball and uh, and baseball and football were down. Uh, What was that like around campus? (laughs) <laughs> it was it was crazy you know obviously coming in uh, I feel blessed I came in at the right time I got my first year here is the you know the five six seven eight years of football and obviously the six seven years of basketball and um it's funny I I, I just feel like it was uh it was a great it was, it's almost like it, everything happens for a reason and, and every program almost gets the light shined upon them um a little differently and so us in gymnastics, we're having, you know, great runs of, of, of national championships and also with our track program and other stuff. So it was, it was awesome. I mean, I, I can tell you, I was asked a tough question by the ESPN announcers um, in a pre, uh, a, a pre 
super regional, my first super regional 2007, they said, how much is your football program success? And after we came off a, you know, 06 national championship in the BCS, how the football success really um, transformed over into the softball field? And I said, not at all. I don't, we don't feel it at all. And I, I was so wrong in answering that question because after, you know, you, you felt the championships, I could really feel, you know, when we weren't a championship level program and, it was clear to me that what our football program and our basketball programs were doing was creating a buzz. And so I never felt like that buzz went away. Um, I felt like it just continued to, uh, to, to, to shine and continue to buzz in other programs. And, and that's what Gator Nation is. We're the everything school. And it was, it was really clear to see that in our, um, you know, in our championship runs of 14 and 15. Which one you like more? You got to choose one. Which, which one did you like more? <laughs> Well, I'll tell you right now, 15 was, I choose 15 over 14, not because, and most people choose their first championship, but I can tell you the 15 was the best because when everybody's asking you over and over and over again, Hey, what are you going to back to back, back to back, back to back, back to back. And it just gets old. And so to win back to back was really, you know, really satisfying. We were prepared, man. I, I, I got doused in Gatorade in 14 and I had to go around and walk around for like two more hours with stuff. And so I brought a change of clothes. I had, uh, we go back to the hotel. We, we, we had the hotel right in 15 and 14. It was like, uh, who's open? Do they have any food? I mean, what amateur. We, we, were, we were, we were, we were amateurs in 14, 15. We were way better prepared for that championship right. stuff. And I think that it was, it pretty much showed in all of our celebration. That's for sure. <laughs> Uh, we like to. I asked the question before in the past, just speaking about some of the urban teams and like uh, of your championship team. Who was the alpha female? I would say who's queen female. Gosh, that's a tough. That's a tough question because uh, I can you know when I look at the when I look in the eyes, I can tell you when in in 2014, you know Kelsey Stewart um, and and Hannah Rogers. And Kirsty Merritt were just the, they made practice go. I mean, they just got after it in practice day in and day out and day in and day out. Um, so that they were, they were definitely by far the, the alpha Kirsty and, and Kelsey Stewart would go pretty, pretty hard at each other to see who was better. 15 Lauren Hager's year, man, she was a beast. And I, so I'd, I'd probably go in 15, I'd give it to, you know, a, Lauren Hager and, and, um, and Kelsey Stewart again, and Kelsey Stewart had one of the, the best seasons in the entire program's history in 15. Um, but they were, they were alpha. I mean, they were, they would go and they never were, they were never satisfied. And I, I love that about them. You know, you, we'd, we'd play ball, whether it be, you know, it, it seemed like every time we played some kind of a competitive game, somebody's feelings got hurt. And, and uh, then you look over there and Kelsey Stewart's over there at the top. She won, you know, she beat them every time. So, I'm going to give the nod to I think Kelsey Stewart is the alpha. Tim, you've had the the opportunity to coach um, for, sorry, the United States uh, Softball Association. Talk to me, or especially sports. Talk to us a little bit about coaching in the professionals and professional leagues and how that compares to coaching uh, in college. Well, this that's a great question, and and obviously I I had a chance to coach U.S.A. Pride and. Um, when I approached Jeremy Foley about coaching, he's like, what, what, what do you mean coaching professionally? You're, you, how is that good for the Gators? 
You know, I mean, you look at it. I mean, here I am going to go outside of, right. of, of Gator Nation and do some stuff and take me away from recruiting. I said, listen, there's some players on this team that are some of the best at what they do in the entire world. And being around them is going to help me get better. It's going to teach me better things. It's going to do a lot of things. And so I coached it in 10 um, and uh, I coached it again in 11. 11 was tougher. We won that. We lost the national championship. I had to go right to it. Mm. Um, so there was some, some challenges there, but I think being around professionals and coaching um, professional athletes that, I mean, I'm talking some of the best, um, you know, Kat Ostrom was on our team. Natasha Watley is one of the best players in the entire uh, world and, and, and they're, they're still playing and they're still doing things. They both played for uh, team USA and the, uh, you know, with the um, uh, USA softball organization. So it was really a, a great opportunity for me. And, and the fun fact is that, you know, there's been um, a few coaches that have now coached um, in the professional ranks and um, myself, Lonnie Alameda, who's the Florida state softball coach. Um, and uh, there was one more, and we've, we've all won national championships post coaching professionally. So there's obviously something there that helps us um, not only manage a, you know, a, a roster, but, but to be able to play at a higher level. I love it. Coach, I, I try to ask this to any uh, coach that we have on that, that's building out a staff. Talk to us about what you look for uh, when you're hiring assistants to, uh, to coach with you. Yeah. So I, you know, that's, uh, unfortunately, as you go through this process and, you know, the, the more successful you are, the, the more opportunity um, you have for your coaches to get their own jobs. And, and again, I would never hold a coach back, but when you start to, to get a good thing going, you really start to, to do some things. So I, I brought Jennifer Rocha with me. She came with me from Wichita state. She and I worked, uh, you know, in the trenches at Oklahoma together. She's an alumni there as well. And so she was with me for um, 13 years uh, here, thir- three years at, at uh, Wichita state. So 16 years together. And um, so when I had to go out and hire a pitching coach, you know, what I was looking for was somebody that would be able to manage Kelly Barnhill at the time, because Kelly was obviously our, our feature pitcher and uh, hired Mike Bosch. And so when I look for, for, for people, I'm looking for people that I can, I can, that, that are thick skinned. They're, they're not afraid to be challenged. Um, I told my coaching staff, you know, this year um, early in the season, I said, you know, Hey, I'm not going to blame the players. I'm going to blame us. And so we've got to do a better job of coaching and coach our players up and get them better. So I need someone who's thick skinned, but I, I need somebody that's not completely exactly like I am, uh, but I do need somebody who's understands me that I'm, um, the, one of the things I'm going to say what I want to say, and it could be in the middle of the game. And I say, what the heck are you throwing that pitch for? Or Don't throw that pitch, throw this pitch or flip it around and say, Hey, man, you did a great job on that. I, I really liked what you did there. The sequence was great. Um, but I think the, the, if you ask me one common um, denominator that I need in a coach is, is somebody who, who is not afraid to outwork me. They've got to be willing to put time in um, because success doesn't come easy. You don't just show up and you know, recruit a good team and you're going to win. You've got to be prepared. You've got to practice. You've got to train. You've got um, you know, you to strategize. You've got to put together, put the time in the film. And so um, the, the guys that I have with me right now, not only them, but also my supporting cast of trainer and strength coach and everybody else, they just all get it. They all understand that this is not a nine to five you know, job. It's, it's one that, that requires us to put a, a lot of time in. And for that, we get, the, you know, we, we reap the benefits of, of success at the end. Uh, coach, real quick, um, you were talking about w- w- coaching, um, 
with the same intensity and whatnot as you. Uh, do you approach or did you at one point when you first started coaching approach or think you had to approach uh, coaching females differently than, than male athletes? Yeah, so I think that I can tell you that one of the biggest mistakes that I've ever made was you know, I, I pretty much coached and did everything the same. And, you know, we, we, we talk about this in the sports world. We talk about this all the time. We, everybody that coaches or anybody that, that studies athletes, they'll say that you know, when, you, when you compare the same two athletes, it's going to be nine. If, if they both have the same ability level, you're probably going to say that you know, 90% of it's going to be mental and 10% is going to be physical if you have the same exact two people. And so I'm one of those persons that came from an old school. It's just work, work, work. You work hard. You, you push, you push, you push. And um, I, I think one of the biggest mistakes that I've made is I coached my teams pretty much the same as I would coach a baseball team or you know male athletes. And um, one of my athletes, uh, Kelsey Bruder, and I know Maude knows Kelsey, and um, I, she said to me one time, she said, Coach, listen, I got to feel good to play good. I, it's just how it's got to be. I got to feel good to play. I, I, what are you talking about? I said, if we win, we're all going to feel good. She's yeah, but I got to feel good to play good. And so I think guys at times, um, you know, need to play good to feel good and girls need to feel good to play good. And so I think there's, there's definitely, you have to handle them differently. Um, I I've been on a lot of high level championship teams and you know, the, the, the best player in the room, um, you know, for just because we're all on the last dance, right. But, if Michael Jordan came in the room, we all know it's Michael Jordan and he can say what he wants and do what he wants. And we're going to be like, man, let's go. We're winning the championship with Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan's not going to be as successful in the, especially in the softball world, but probably not as much in, in, in our world because there's just not, everybody's going to gravitate to that style. And so I I've learned a lot of hard lessons. I've had a lot of really good athletes and a lot of, um, female athletes have taught me a lot and, and I've, I've paid attention and I've learned, I've learned how to handle them. Um, I think ultimately, you know, you, you treat either one male or female, you treat them right. And they're going to respond. Um, you show a little bit of love, you show a little bit of, you know, of care and they're going to respond no matter what, you know, male or female. And so I think there's, there's where I was probably at is I, I, I assume that you can just coach them the same as if you, if you treat them the same and, that's where the, the, the difference comes into play. But I wouldn't have probably known as much. My, my wife being an athlete, I think that's where um, it really helped me understanding uh, what I was doing early in my career is that my wife being a, a, a really good, um, you know, rock in my life and uh, also a female student athlete, she just gave me some, some good advice. And, and I think it, it really helped out uh, to kind of frame my, my pathway to success. Nice. Hey, Coach, it's Ahmad. So, you know, one quick question. Um, I know uh, I spoke uh, recently um, to Colorado State with Coach Heater. He was my DB coach at University of Florida um, about the morale and, and the camaraderie of the DBs, what we had back in 08 um, and, and the time that I was at the University of Florida. Can you talk briefly on the morale and, and the environment um, of, of your girls as far as like the locker room? Um, is it like family oriented or, or do you try to somewhat recruit um, you know, girls somewhat similar. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny you say that Ahmad. And, you know, when, when I walked the sidelines this past season and you were, you were on the sidelines with, with major ride and, um, you know, I can, I can, 
I'll never forget the hit that he had on Oklahoma to open that game up. And uh, <laughs> you know, I could easily, you could see the secondary just all going crazy oh, on the sidelines. Yeah. And, man, what a, what a, what a, what a, what an unbelievable, you know, statement to, to start the game. But, sure. you know, it, it's funny. I sat in the locker room with our players in a, in, in a, in an opportunity, I think it was 2007 on our way to the 2008 season. Um, we'd never been to the College World Series. We came up a game short in 2007 in my second year. We'd never been, and I told our players in the locker room, I said, listen, I said, when I bring recruits in, I, I want you to know that if I'm doing my job, I need to bring in recruits that are as good as you, if not better than you. And I don't want you to judge the players that I'm bringing in the room. I want you to understand, give them a chance, get to know them. I want you to, you know, to, to show them around and and really treat them fairly and honestly in the way they should be treated. And um, in, in order for our program to be successful, and we're going to win championships here, and that's what I told every one of them, we're going to win championships. But the difference in our championships is I want everybody to genuinely care about everybody. And so when we started to recruit and we started to bring in some high-level players, not every one of those high-level players fit our model for success, which was that we want people to be hungry. We want them to be confident. We want them to be, um, you know, we want them to be gators, but not everybody can be a gator. Not everybody fits the mold. And um, I really leaned hard on my players to, to give me their insight and give me their perspective on some of the people we brought on campus. And, and then I've, I've pushed kids on the phone and I pushed them in person to tell them who I am and what they want. What do you want? Do you want to be an All-American? Do you want to win championships? Um, or what, is your, what are your goals? And so. Florida isn't, isn't a fit for everybody in every sport. Florida isn't a fit academically. I think we've got the best everything school. We can, you, can, you can do it off the field. You can do it on the field. You can do it in, in, in the classroom. You can do it you know, at the football stadium. It's just it's such a great atmosphere to recruit to, and I love it because, again, not everybody can be here and be successful, and I think that's what makes us a really, really, really special place. Yeah, speaking of recruiting, um, how does how does like I seen the spring sports? You guys, seniors got a I think an opportunity to come back and play again. How does that work with you guys? Scholarship number count in 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 recruiting. That's a great that's a great question. Yeah, that's uh, so what the NCAA has done for the spring sports and you know a few sports: baseball, softball, um, a track. Um, I'm trying to think of a few more uh, other ones they've. They've all been given um, a hardship. So with this year, the seniors, all the – so if I had six seniors. I have four of which have chosen to come back and play a fifth year. Um, and so their numbers do not count against us um, because of the hardship. If any of them decided they wanted to go to another school, let's say they, they got their degree and they're going to go somewhere else, if they chose to go somewhere else, their numbers would have to count against that school for their scholarship numbers. But the NCAA has said, you can take care of your own if they come back to you. And those numbers will not count against your scholarship numbers for, uh, for the 2020-21 season. Okay, I didn't know that. No, no. Very good. Well, Coach, we definitely appreciate the opportunity for you to come on uh, today and, and chat with us a little bit more. Um, is there any way to ask a mod a tough question? Is there yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, we're here for all yeah, of yeah, yeah. it. Uh, whatever question. Oh, so, um, so, yeah, he, so, he had a whole segment about this. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, Ahmad, this is for you just because I know this is you personally. But so tell me about football. I, I'd never understood this. 
So okay. there's like 90, and this year, I think the number zero is available for football for the first time, I think in the college ranks, I, I, I might be wrong, but you played, you were number 35 and number 10. Is, is that correct? No, just, I had 35 the whole time. Just 35, no, no 10 at all. Yep. 35. Okay, good. Well, this is the, the, the question. Okay, good. I, I thought, I don't know why I thought you, you had 10 as well. I know Ian wore 10 and I can't remember why I thought you had 10. But yeah, 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 well, yeah. Tell me about. Tell me about football. So let's say there's a 35 on offense who had a really good game. You're walking on campus and they say, hey, good game, 35. And you're like, no, I'm 35 on defense. How does that work, how, how, how does that work as far as guys in, in – I mean, in baseball, there's only one – I mean, I tried to get number 30. Yes. I tried to get number 40 when I went to college, and the guy's like, no, nah, I wear that number. I was like, no, I'll, I'll, I'll take care of you. I'll pay you. And he's like, no, I'm going to wear that number. So I had to change my number. Yeah, How is it in football that guys can wear two numbers, like one one on offense, one on defense, or special teams? Or I just I've never understood that. Maybe some other listeners probably have the same question. Yeah. So so a little bit about my number situation. It's a little funny story. I don't know if a lot of people know this. So I came in, I was wearing number twenty two because I was a mid year. All right. So I came in mid year, um, right right after we won the national championship in '06. Um, so my first day of class actually was the national championship game day. So that was weird. I mean, we won the national championship. I went to class that morning and saw people streaking down the road naked that night. I was like, what? Is, is this college? I, I love that's it how here. You, that's how you start college. Yeah, I love it here. I love it here. So uh, I go, you know, I played through that whole spring with 22 on. Um, it was like a couple weeks before the game. Coach Heater calls me up. He's like, hey, you know, we have a little dilemma. Um, we have two guys wearing number 22, which was me and Kate Holiday, which is Coach Holiday's son. So the rule is you can't have two guys on the field at the same time with the same number. Um, but, you know, they can be on like one on offense, one on defense. The problem was we, we both played special teams. They bumped so, mm-hmm. Yeah. So but Kay had a little bit of a little weight under him. You know, his dad was the coach. And plus, he had been here for some years. All right. So Coach Heater goes, what, what number would you prefer? Would you re- re- prefer 10 or would you prefer 35? And I'm like kind of question is that the hell I, what am i gonna look like wearing 35 i ain't no I'm wearing <laughs> don't even ask me that dream so, was always to wear 43 yeah right so, <laughs> was like, was like, All right, cool. so i I, you know, I lay down for a little bit more a uh, few, few minutes longer i get up go leave springs go down there to the facility and as i go get my stuff out the locker it don't look like number 10 it, it looked like a three and a five jersey and i'm like what the hell is this and uh coach <laughs> comes up Coach Heater comes up and says, well, Coach Meyer says you have to do a little bit more before you can put on just number 10. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. So then I go out that year as a freshman, uh, only only appeared in like seven games. Um, and then I came out as a sophomore. Um, that's the year we won it. I led the country in interceptions. Uh, my first year actually starting. Uh, I was like an honorable mention All-American that year. Um, and I was second team All-SEC. But after that, I was just like, hey, shit, I, we won a national championship and I played well. I'm just going to keep it. So I, 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 that was the story behind 35. I like never, ever. I love it. I love it. Pick that and, and nobody good on offense had it. So he never had to share so it. I was good. I was good. So, so when, I, when I walked on campus, coach, they said 35. I knew who they was talking about. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, but that's, I, I just, that, that's what makes it hard for me as a, as a fan to understand is how can you share another number with another guy on the team? Like, I wouldn't either. That's like the greatest story ever because I always assume it's like, okay, I know you have a hundred and I mean, I know there's a lot of guys playing, but at the same sense, there's, there's 99 numbers and a hundred numbers. How can we not yeah. make a, you know, a guy something? I don't know. It's just, to me, it's one of those it's things that I've weird. always wondered as a fan, you know, yeah. um, I, I, mean, I wouldn't want to share it either. 
yeah, I want when people say, hey, number two, you know, I want them to be me. Like when my friends watch the TV and and look for number two, I want them the number two to only be me. Like I don't want to want them watching someone else thinking it's me. You know, they might so confuse. I love it. Yeah, yeah there will not, never be yeah. a confusion about who the best thirty-five was in Florida. <laughs> well, I was gonna say, what if if there was another thirty-five, you might not have been an all honorable all-American. That might have given that guy some credit. <laughs> yeah, you see what I'm saying? That's right. <laughs> they split his thumb up. There you go. There you go. You, you guys are awesome. I, I really appreciate you having me on. It's a lot of fun. And I can't wait to see you back on the sidelines again. Every time I look at the the towel and the the energy, you still you still got it, man. I don't. I know. I, I read your tweets and stuff, and I love I love I love your energy, man. Thank thank you guys for having me on. Go, go, go Gators! I love it. Go Gators, coach. Go Gators, coach. That's dope, man. Super dope. Fun times, man. These coaches, all football coaches are fun. I like it. Oh, I'm interviews you, are slapping. Yeah, they are slapping. They're I got awesome. to use that this weekend. Everybody thought I was like the coolest guy there on the boat. There you go. Like, like man, this music slaps. Bro, you get to take you get to take all these uh mod world of the weeks out on the beach with your with your uh friends, bro. That's right. Say what? That's what I say you. Oh no, never mind. Let me go on. Yeah, yeah. easy, easy. What, what, what you got going on? It's a family show, man. <laughs> what am I talking about over here? Come on. Hey, you know, edit that out, man. Come on. <laughs> Can't be talking like that, man. I'm talking too reckless, man. I'm acting like, damn, man. God damn. Damn, you rubbing off on me, man. Golly. Pause. 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 <laughs> All right, man. Our next guest is brought to you by Brown Insurance and Financial Services. Anything you need insured from the panhandle to the keys. Hit my man Greg up, 954-589-2204. My man Greg insures auto, home, life. And if you need any financial services, my man Greg got you in that field as well. 954-589-2204. Big coverage, <laughs> big policies. Let's hang out, man. I like this off football stuff. You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. And joining us for the first time on Stadium and Gale is nine-time NCAA Division I National Champion, uh, also head coach of the U.S. Olympic Track and Field Team, Coach Mike Holloway. Mike, how are you doing this evening? I am doing outstanding, my friend. Outstanding. Mike, well, it's an absolute pleasure to get a, a living legend in the track and field community, I guess in all sports, uh, especially at the University of Florida on the show. Mike, talk to us a little bit about how you ended up at, uh, at the University of Florida. Oh, wow, man. Like, I was at Vios High School, which probably seems like forever. Um, I started at um, Buholtz in the mid-'80s uh, and um, around '84. And then I moved over to Florida in um, 95, in the summer of 95, as the number two assistant. And um, by 99, I was moved up to assistant head coach. And then 2000, I was named associate head coach. And then um, they made a coaching change. And I was blessed enough to be named the, the head coach in 2002, that, that summer. And obviously, during that time, you've uh, you know led Florida to to some of the you know top honors uh, nationally. What do you owe your success to? And uh, touch us a, a bit about how you built the program at Florida to be such a national powerhouse. 
Well, you know, the first thing I'm going to tell you is that, you know, no matter how good of a coach I think I am, and I think I'm, I'm a decent guy when it comes to coaching, but you got to have talent, man. And so recruiting is the number one, the number one reason that we've been able to, to be successful here. And obviously being at the University of Florida and having the resources and just the Florida brand itself lends to that. Um, you know, when I was at the high school level, um, I always thought that this was a sleeping giant, that even though there had been some success for some reason, I just felt like it could be better. And when I got here, I continued to feel that way. You know, we had some pockets of success when I was an assistant coach, but I always felt like this was a place with the resources, with the weather, with the facilities, and the ability to, to attract athletes that we should continually be one of the best programs in the country. And so once I became the head coach here, my job then was to kind of change the attitude of the, not just the coaches, the trainers, you know, the athletes, obviously, but everybody involved with the program that we needed to, to fight to a championship standard. And once we got there, we needed to fight to stay there. So as, as somebody who only ran one season of track in eighth grade, and I was on the C team of the four by 800, um, and I was the third <laughs> leg. So like, I, I think that that's probably like the worst position you can, you can probably be in. Um, what do you look for when you're recruiting, um, you know, track athletes? Cause a lot of them don't have the same, you know, polish that you're going to provide or what are the kind of the, the key, you know, core fundamentals you're looking for? I mean, I was you have to have some innate ability. Um, I think that, uh, you know, with, with us, you know, if we're going to be amongst the best, we have to comp- compete the best, I'm sorry, recruit the best athletes, not only in, in the United States, but across the world. And then obviously when we get them here, we have to be able to coach them. I've been blessed to have a staff that we can coach just about any event in track and field. And so I think that the important thing is, you know, also character. Um, you know, we've, if, if you're going to come here and be a part of what we do, you have to understand there's a lot of great athletes on this team. So if you're, the prima donna type, you're not gonna, you're not, you're not gonna make it here. It's just not gonna happen. So you have to be able to, you know, kind of conform to the iron sharpens iron concept that you know you're gonna be on the grind every day. We're gonna push you towards excellence every day. And if you have somebody that doesn't like to do that, you shouldn't come to school here. Hey, coach, how much uh, does uh, being named um, head coach of USA track team? How much does that help you on your recruiting trail? Um, not much at all, to be honest with you, man. I think that um, it, it's a bit overblown um, because in track and field, I mean, don't don't get me wrong. Let me let me set this straight. It's an incredible honor to to ask to lead that that team, and you know, we consider ourselves to be the best track and field team on the planet, and I think we are. Um, it's an incredible honor, but when it comes to recruiting, um, these athletes are more concerned with wanting to be Olympians themselves. So. Um, that kind of lends to how I feel about the whole situation is I never wanted to be the head Olympic coach. I always wanted to be a coach of Olympians. Some, you know, I, I don't want to be a, a figurehead. I want to be a guy that's at the Olympics in the trenches with my athletes. And so um, even though I'm the head coach of the team, I don't coach everybody. Everybody has their own personal coaches. I'm just a guy that, you know, if something goes wrong, it's my fault. Okay. But uh, so my goal is to make sure that, you know, the things when we get to Tokyo in 2021 now that I've got some Gators there with me to, uh, doing our thing as well. Yeah, that's that's dope. Um, you mentioned earlier about uh, the, the whole team sport and, and, and making track is such an individual mm-hmm. thing to, uh, to me. Like when you're uh, there's relays, but how do you how do you um, 
keep it like a team camaraderie with 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 everything being so individualized in track. How you make it a more? Um, you know, we 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 talk more of it from a family standpoint, and that that kind of blends into the team deal. And we understand that if everybody does their individual job, it leads to team success. So we we approach it from there. And I think also we run relays very successfully here. And the relays is the largest team concept of track and field. So running the relays first kind of lends out to the individualism of the individual events, but it also heightens the team concept. If you look at a track meet, most track meets you go to the first event you see is the four by one relay, which is a, a team concept and it ends with a four by four. So we really play into both of those relays. And um, we feel like that's been a big part of the reason why we've been successful here is because we're, we've been successful in both of those relays. And what's your relationship like with uh, with Grant Holloway? Oh man, he's like uh, <laughs> he's like my third child. <laughs> we're really close. Um, you know, we're not sure if we're actually blood related or not. We try to do some ancestry stuff, and <laughs> we've, we've we've both we've found out that we're his grandfather, his father, great grandfather, and grandfather. And my father, great grandfather, and grandfather, uh, great grandfather, great grandfather, all born in the same county in Georgia. But that's about as far as we've gotten so far. Mm. But, um, you know, we, we're very close. Um, you know, he's a he's a great athlete. He's a great competitor, and he allows me to challenge him, and he accepts those challenges. And um, you guys, you know, being athletes and being around athletics, understand that part mm. of being a great athlete is allowing your coach to cha- to challenge you. You know, if you if you have a, an athlete that doesn't want to be challenged, then it's almost impossible to get them to reach, reach the potential. Do you have you have what what's it like having like uh, and have you had any athletes that that didn't reach reach their potential? Um, I mean, we've all we've all had those. Which we say the one that got away, you know. Um, and I think that the, the biggest problem we've had here, we've had a great run of success here. Most of our athletes come here and they do get better. The ones that have struggled is ones, you know, you get it one every now and then the struggles with injuries. Some people struggle with confidence. And, you know, even though we've had some athletes reach, you know, success, we've also had some athletes that could have been even better if they hadn't have fought the system. If they'd have really trusted it and bought into everything we were doing, I think they could have been even better. But um, anybody that tells you they bat a thousand is probably pretty delusional because nobody does. <laughs> nobody does. Hey, Coach, uh, talk a little bit about uh, your two sport athletes. I know a lot of guys nowadays are playing football and running track. Um, is that something you prefer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, obviously, you know, we've had some success. Uh, you know, Jeff Demps was a guy that was a four-time NCAA champion um, individually and ran on two relays that were national champions uh, for a couple of national championship teams here So with track and field. So, those guys are special to have, you know, one, because they can compete at a high level for you, and two, because in essence, they're free for me. So that's a scholarship I don't have to burn. But um, I like the football player because you get a football player that's, you know, a high-level guy. He's not going to be afraid of the bright lights. As, you know, we used to say, you know, Jeff competed in front of 100,000 people running the football, getting chased by guys, you know, three or four times his size. So um, getting on the line, racing the eight or nine other guys, running the straight line wasn't a problem for guys like that. You know, we had guys like Frankie Hammond was an NCAA qualifier in the, in the high jump for us. Uh, Chris Rainey led off for a four by one. So um, those guys all did a great job for us. Phenomenal. 
So I, I again, you know, I know you got some great athletes and whatnot. Um, I asked Coach Walton this earlier. I know you, you you look at yourself and view yourself as a family. Um, but talk about your athletes outside of uh, outside of the track and field. Um, is there a lot of camaraderie around around the, the the track team as far as being around each other and 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 uh, um, you know basically getting close to one another? Absolutely. I, I don't think you can have success if you're not close off the, off the off the playing field. I just don't know how that happens because you know at some point in time you're you're going to lean on your teammates. Your teammates are going to lean on you. And it's the outside activities that foster that relationship. And so, again, we talk about being a family. We talk about leaning on each other and holding each other up and those kind of things. And, you know, we preach the family. Um, that, that That's what we talk about a lot. I think that's very important and is a, is a big part of our success. Coach, looking back at your many, many years at, at Florida. What are some of the things that really stick out um, to you? Was it your first championship? Was it a, an athlete that, you know, finally came around to their potential? What was, what are some of the, the, the biggest moments in your career? I mean, I mean, I think obviously uh, the first national championship was always special. Uh, the first, our first conference indoor championship back in 2004 was, was very special. We've been chasing Arkansas for a long time and uh, for us to finally beat them at the end of the championships in 04 was a pretty special feeling. Um, but I think the thing that I'm most proud of is just the consistency we've enjoyed over the last 11 years. And uh, I, what I've also loved watching and listening to is the alumni, you know, once the athletes leave the program, how they come back and support it, how they call, how they, um, they reach out to the younger guys and they're in the program now and encourage them to continue what, you know, what they helped build, build years ago. So um, I don't have one particular moment. that just sticks out and goes, wow, you know, that was just that absolute moment. But there's a lot of things that have gone on here in my 25 years now that, uh, that I will carry with me for the rest of my life. And so obviously you were named um, head coach of, of the track and field team. And uh, that was for the Tokyo Olympics. And, and, you know, that's, you know, been pushed back for, for at least a year. But what has that experience been like so far? I know you said it's a tremendous honor to be named, um, but you, have you guys had practices together or what does that process look like for you on the coaching end of that? Um, again, like there will be no practices together for the track and field team. It's not like okay. basketball or softball. Yeah. Or, you know, like everybody has their own individual coach. And, you know, we'll get together, you know, we'll name, we'll, we'll have a, the trials next um, summer um, and we'll get together after that. And we'll go to the training camp during that training camp. Like, again, hopefully I'll, I'll do my job and get some Gators there with me. And, um, but again, I'm more of a figurehead in that position. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a guy that, you know, going to walk around and be encouraged. And I, and I do that well, so I have a problem with that. <laughs> but at the end of the, but at the end of the day, I think the biggest, the biggest thing with that job is to make sure that, people have the information they need to be, to, to be successful. Um, I've been an assistant coach on the Olympic team and, you know, I've worked with a guy that was our head coach, Andrew Valman. And the thing that I watched from learned from watching him was just to make sure you're always available. Cause there's, there's something that never is going to go wrong when you've got a hundred athletes you're dealing with. So you, you've got to be prepared for that. Uh, coach, you got a lot of championships, a lot of all Americans. What you want your uh, legacy to be when it's all said and done? You know, I mean, when I was said and done, all I wanted to be is that I was a guy that came in here and worked hard every day. When I took this job, um, I said to the president that my goal was to make sure that Gator Nation was proud of the track and field programs every June when we were done. 
And I hope that when I walk away from this and I'm not walking away anytime soon, um, that people felt like that I, I held up, upheld my end of that bargain, that I, the Gator Nation was proud of the track and field program, that we did it with class. We did it with pride. And, you know, we, you know, I talk about a lot about, you know, having that Gator on your chest that, you know, let's not disrespect the Gator and that we always, you know, wore that, that Gator with a lot of pride and, I, and competed with a lot of passion. What would you get that from um, to, to to pass on? Like, would you get the, the the pride and the passion from? And where did I get it from? Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I think the biggest thing for me is like you know, like my my dad reconditioned automobiles. That's that was his job, and I just remember the tremendous amount of pride my dad took in every car that 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 left that 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 shop. It had to be immaculate, and if it wasn't, he wouldn't let it leave. And so he instilled that work ethic in me and I kind of took it, taken that through the rest of my life. And I, it helped me understand that if, if you're passionate about something and you're prideful and you put a lot of, of time and effort into it, it's almost impossible for it not to be, be successful. You know, I, I go back to my high school days when I was at Buell's high school and, you know, it's about an attitude. You know, you, you, you watch what goes on here at the university of Florida and you go back to, you know, earlier when Jeremy was the AD you, know, you listen to some of the things Jeremy talked about. And it was always about Gator pride. It was always about having a standard. So I've always been around people, whether than Jeremy, my high school coach, my mom, who's been a big influence on my life in that. And you think about things that guys have happened to you in your life. What if you ever achieve something great without putting a lot of pride and a lot of passion into it? And if you haven't, then it doesn't last very long. And that's, that's the thing now that like we've got, we've kind of built this machine here in Florida as far as the track and field team goes, and even as the athletic association as a whole goes, I don't think anybody wants to be the person who lets that legacy down. Awesome. Coach, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to hear from you, and uh, we're super excited to uh, to cheer you guys on um, next season, uh, both the indoor season uh, in the uh, hopefully there in the fall, and then the outdoor season in the uh, in the spring. Uh, but, coach, is there anywhere that, that people can follow you on social media or, or kind of keep up with uh, what you're doing here during uh, during your quarantine time? Well, I'm an old guy, so I'm more Facebook than anything else. Um, so <laughs> I hear that. I'm not a big perfect. Send him a, send him a friend a request. Big. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, I, yeah, I, I very, I very really uh, deny anybody that, um, you know, I, I, like I said, I, I really, I love my job. Uh, I'm, I'm a Gator. I graduated from the university of Florida. So this is more than just a paycheck for me. And I've been in Gainesville since, uh, since I was 17 years old. So, um, <clears throat> I understand the, the pride and the passion that runs through this university. And I just want to make sure I keep up holding that standard. Uh, real quick, coach. I got a son that runs track. He's uh, he turns eight next month. What type of uh, I got I got still some free coaching here. You know, so I got you on. Uh, <laughs> well, what type of uh, <laughs> what type of working out should they do at that age? Or what's too much? What's too little? What's good for him? Um, I'm gonna say the first thing is very important that he's having fun. Right. And the second thing is do everything you can to help him get faster. I think that sometimes people think that when you think about track and field, people just want to run, run, run without any purpose. And track and field is going to bleed over into other events for him. He may have been football, he may have been basketball or baseball. The speed element of track and field bleeds very well into all of those areas. So, you know, doing stuff like, you know, 30-meter sprints, 40-meter sprints, 60-meter sprints, stuff like that, you know, 
as many times a week as you can get away with that is, is in my mind is the best thing and keeping him on the grass because that, you know, he's still young and having him do as much stuff on the grass as possible. People always marvel at, you know, the Jamaicans and all the other Islanders is how, you know, fast they are. And if you go back and look at their history, they spend most of their time in the grass um, because it doesn't beat their tendons up. And it, it leads in plus it gives them that because you're working harder while you're in the grass, it also gives you an extra little bounce to you. So um, the big thing I would say is let him have fun, man. Just don't, don't put him in three or four or five or six events at every track meet. Um, mm-hmm. Let him, you know, run two or three events, have fun. And, but again, when, when you're working him out, I'm not telling you don't do any endurance work at all, but make sure you're doing everything you can to get him faster. Because at the end of the day, if he's eight years old, let's just say he's eight years old and he's running 13 flat in the hundred. The goal is to get him faster in the hundred, not to right. see how far he can run. Right. Right. I learned a thing or two about a thing or two there myself. I uh, I've been trying to work on my uh, my quickness for the last thirty two years. So hopefully, uh, I can well, keep. Well, I'll, uh, I'll, keep I'll tell you this, man. You know, yeah. I'm a firm believer that um, you know, I can get anybody faster. I oh, very tell good. People all the time. My mother is 85 years old, and if she I'm a gambling man, so you, you want to bet? You want to bet on you? You I, can't make damn so, Yeah, yeah. You've got some free <laughs> can, time okay. now, right, coach? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I will Fellas. tell you this. I can make anybody faster. I didn't say world class fast. Yeah. Faster. Oh, well, oh, okay. well, hey, hey, coach. Coach, 10 years later, now yes. you tell me. All right. You came out the ass, man. You know, <laughs> walk across campus, man. I got you, right? right. Oh, man, I'm too late now, coach. I can't do nothing for you now, man. Jeez. <laughs> I, uh, Reed, Reed L. Anthony was uh, was one of my, uh, my gym instructors for a couple years. So he'll tell you that you can't make everybody faster but maybe it's just him you know <laughs> oh, no, like i said I, I that's it that's just my mantra i believe that i mean again i don't think that i can make everybody world class fast but um i do believe that if you bring me somebody that you know you you run 10 seconds for 40 i can make you run nine nine and then it's I got all relative faster, right? yeah it's all relative it's, yeah. exactly yeah. Got you, coach. yeah yeah i, I had a conversation with somebody the other day and they were telling me like people are either fast or they're not okay true and false but you can always get somebody faster if you're willing to work hard enough at it i can get you faster i promise you very good well i know that you, you got a little bit more free time so i look forward to our daily skype calls to do that <laughs> i love it it's been a it's been an absolute pleasure to uh to get you on the show uh we'll definitely have to get you on but best of luck with everything that uh that you got going on and we'll talk to you soon all right thanks guys appreciate it. you guys have a good evening all right you too thanks a lot coach all right, all right. Bye-bye. That was pretty fun, man. Um, I thought him and Grant was actual cousins. Apparently, we talked about the black people cousins already. Yep, you know even I, mean? I know about play cousins. There you go. <laughs> apparently, apparently they just play cousins. Yeah, we're, back, we're, we're back to square one. There we go. Had us, had us all out here trick. Ma, you got a word of the week that Dan could take out on the beach. Let me see what we got. But you, you can think about, it. Think, think about it for a little week because. Well, 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 well you know, Dan, you know, you, 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 you can tell your friends. You know, hold, on, hold on, hold on. Because man, uh, Word of the Week is not brought to you by the good folks at manscaped.com. The best of the best when it comes to man's grooming essentials. Ahmad, I told you I was waiting on my package, bro. So I received my, my, I got my package, bro, Friday. <laughs> okay. Came in, uh, yes, had my lawnmower 3.0 in the in the box, so I want to check it out before I be, you know, what I'm saying, giving people the word and giving people 
uh, the courage to go buy this and risk their balls. I wanted to try it out. So I, I got my lawnmower 3.0, took it out of the packaging, uh, which is dope. Comes in a nice little gift set, man. Um, a lot of instructions, and it breaks down the technology. So I wanted to try out the skin-safe technology. And I wanted to make sure it was waterproof. Both tested out. Um, didn't did, did nick up my balls, and I didn't electrocute myself. So Very good. Both, Very both good. things worked out. So instead of y'all boys rushing back to the barbershop, risking the corona, uh, give your balls the haircut they need. You go to the barbershop for that, bro? No, nah, I'm telling you. Go to manscaped.com. <laughs> Use coupon code SG at checkout for 20% off and free shipping. Your balls will thank you. Again, that's SG at checkout for the coupon code SG. 20% off, free shipping. Your balls will thank you. Shout out to Manscaped. What we got for word of the week? Amon. Hey, Dan, man. Hey, you know, you ever, you ever had a homeboy, Dan, and you was the wingman. So, you know. Yeah. You know, you're already taking and whatnot, but, you yep. know, you, you, you're still in the action, you know, as a wingman. Yeah. So you got to go up to the girl and you're like, hey, you know, excuse me. Um, but, you know, my boy can't, you know, help the fact that he's over there foaming for you. Mm. Mm. What is foaming for? Foaming, Dan. Foaming. Uh, foaming. Yeah. Um, this guy, this guy sounds like he need to be arrested. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's, ha- he's having a seizure and needs immediate medical attention. Is he fresh out of prison? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so around my way, if somebody, if somebody was like, "Yeah, man, he foaming for her, or she foaming for me," I mean, like she sweating me, like she liked me a lot. That means he dropped his uh, the Bill Cosby pill into his own drinking accident. Shut the bar, shooting your own self in the, in the leg. Huh? <laughs> I'll be honest with you, Ahmad. If I use that around a lot of my white uh, brethren, I, I think a lot of them are. <laughs> Uh, and immediately start on doctors and nurses before they uh, realize that it's just a uh, that he just likes her a lot, you know. That's so funny, bro. <laughs> not, not saying that it, it couldn't be used in the future, you know. What I mean, I think it's just one of those things that I'm going to have to get people used to before. There you go. <laughs> you definitely got to warn them about this word. Yeah, you can't spring foaming. Yeah, I feel like I need to use it a lot more contextually first, you know. There yeah. You go. You got to ease it into a text conversation first. You know, a group message or something. You won't be at the beach and be like, yo, my man over there foaming. I'm like, yo, call <laughs> my own one. You can't say just foaming. You got to say foaming for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then he still, you, you're going to want to press charges. Somebody's foaming <laughs> for me. I, I'm thinking, like, I may have to get my, hey, whoa, <laughs> I may have to arm <laughs> myself. <laughs> <laughs> foaming. I made him that mad. Uh, he want to fight me or something, huh? <laughs> right. Yeah. I like that word of the week. I like that. That's good. I think that was a word of the week for everybody. I think Cam even learned a thing or two. Yeah, um, but why don't we? Why don't we close it out? Uh, we'll do song of the week. I think song of the week's on me this week. Um, yeah, it's on you, dog. What you got? Oh, I, I don't know, but I'll, I'll figure it out. We've got. We do have a uh, a sponsor. This was a really cool one. Um, it's a really cool website called a tech then and now dot com. Again, that's tech t e c h then and now dot com. Uh, so what they're doing is they're bringing short stories and short histories of technologies that we use to to work, play, interact with uh, with one another. So uh, they founded the idea that we all take our technology for granted. Uh, we often misunderstood where they come from, what their origins, where their intended purposes are. Often we look at people like Steve Jobs and Elon Musk and give them a lot of credit for building great companies, but we often forget, you know, who some of those small actors that help bring uh, that technology into the world, grow the capabilities, and ultimately then change the change their uh, change the world. So. 
Check them out at techthenandnow.com. Read their stories uh, on how we rely on technology every day and, and how it's changed alongside us. Every month, they're going to record uh, special audio stories with a historian, an engineer, a uh, computer science uh, you know, engineer, uh, an entrepreneur, a tech expert. Uh, they're going to come on and talk about how uh, technology's changed. So they, you know, their first story that they did was about smoking, uh, tobacco, weed, whatever you might uh, want to smoke. Uh, they talk about where it began with early humans, um, getting into, you know, inhaling fumes from their campfires, and then they got into the invention of cigarettes, pipes, rolled c- uh, cigarettes, uh, and the rest. So really, really, really cool uh, website. A lot of really great content. Again, techthenandnow.com uh, and check them out. So word of the or, uh, song of the week. I think this is everybody's every three-week favorite part of our podcast. What do you guys think? I think it's pretty exciting when I'm picking. I don't know what the vibes like when you picking. I I, I take that back. I think you got the most exciting pick because we never know what we're gonna get. Yeah, uh, you know, you know, it's gonna slap though. Now, well, we don't know about slap, but it'd be a variety sometimes. Like sometimes, <laughs> yeah, it's a mixed bag. It's a Russian roulette of of, of song choices. Yeah, uh, yeah, because sometimes I surprise you. I get it. Uh, by the way, I had to text Kev after your epi- last episode uh, when you guys were talking about Lil Wayne on the Drought Three. I think "Sky's the Limit" is the best song on that. Oh, uh, yeah. that mixtape. But um, but anyway, I'm gonna go with. Uh, here's a new guy I've been listening to. Um, his name's Austin. No, no, uh, still haven't listened to a lot of Lil Baby. Unfortunately, um, Austin Upchurch is his name. He's got a song called Pearson Road. Uh, this is gonna be. Um, a good one for for our country fans and who knows maybe in right. three weeks yeah very good pearson road austin upchurch i'm gonna check that out dan I'm gonna, i I'm don't gonna think listen. you will but i appreciate before, listening to the show guys before we go uh major Wright has dropped his book um it's called major already uh confessions of a smash mouth safety so if you guys would uh you, you could pre-order still um at majorright.com so um if you haven't man go get your book it's gonna be some dope content in there man uh he kind of gave me a little bit of preview of what's going to be in there, and uh, it's, it's definitely something that you, if you're a Gator fan, you will want to want to tune into. So, um, yeah, shoot us a shoot us a link to the uh, tweet as well, my but we can retweet yeah. it and share all that, man. Y'all, y'all, uh, friend of the show, that. yeah, for supporting sure. the homie mage uh, book for sure. And speaking of, once you buy Major Wright's book, uh, you swing on over to StadiumGal.com. Uh, check out our shop. we got a bunch of stuff that's on there now uh, that we're trying to get out to you guys before. Um, as you guys are getting out of quarantine, there's no better way to get out of quarantine than wearing a freshly new Stadium and Gale shirt. Uh, so check out StadiumGal.com slash shop. Uh, we've got shirts, hoodies. Um, what else we got on there? Yeti type um, cups. We've got notebooks. We got stickers. We got all sorts of stuff. We've got onesies for your kids or for your babies. We've got shirts for your kids. So we've got everything in between. And then we also have hats. Hats are not on the website right now. We got two styles of hats. Uh, they're made by uh, two former UF football players, Jeff Whitaker and Chris Hetland. Uh, they are uh, Awesome. They're on our uh, Twitter or they're on our Facebook. Uh, if you have any questions, you can uh, reach out or you can take a look there. Uh, but we're doing those orders separately. They're being made right now. They should be shipping any moment now, and then we'll get those out to you guys. So about half the uh, the hats that we ordered have been sold already. So check those out as well. My shout out goes out to all the Steve Miguel fans, man. Y'all made this the biggest. We got the biggest Gator podcast, period. Um, the biggest podcast on the Big Three Roll Up Network. Um, there's, I thank y'all for for all the fans for the support, man. Y'all rock with us each and every week. 
Um, y'all retweet the show. Y'all rating us five stars, giving us reviews. So shout out to y'all for making this shit big, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's been a fun ride. We've got uh, we've got another coach next week. Uh, we've got a Gator legend coming on next week. We got two Gator legends a week after that. So we're not stopping. We're going to keep putting out content. We appreciate you guys listening each and every week. Same, same corner, same time, fellas. Yeah, yay. Legs and arms.